Warning, incoming missile. Enemy power up detected. Right, now in the light of uh, the changes that are upcoming and the lengthy discussion that has been happening around a very controversial topic, we are finally going to take a closer look at long-range missiles, or as everyone knows them, looms, which are, I would uh, think it's fair to say, maybe one of the more talked about and controversial weapon systems in the game. If you equip them, uh, it exposes you to cries of clag uh, or calls to rage quit and die. Uh, and it pretty much guarantees that anyone you do target and kill is going to mash their keyboard and uh, Alt F4 before heading straight to Reddit and complaining about uh, looms and how much of a blight on the game they are. Streamers dedicate entire sessions to running them for memes and show kind of a cancer that they are on the game. But you still see them around uh, right through from tier 5 to tier one uh, quick play faction play they are all over the place so uh, we thought we would tackle the topic and as you know at metcon 2018 pgi acknowledged that the the outcry hasn't gone unheard and they have done some pts's uh, and they've talked about making adjustments and we shall see those enacted in the upcoming patch in march so we are going to tackle it today uh, and i know you may have already been triggered just by reading the title of this uh, episode, but we're going to have a go at looking at uh, beyond that instinctual reaction to why they might be a problem or why they aren't a problem and looking at both sides of the conversation. That's what we're about here at Incoming Missile Podcast. So we thought we'd have a look at both sides of the topic and, of course, last of all, talk about what maybe we think we should do about it and what PGI are doing about it. And Let's be fair, you can't have a podcast called Incoming Missile and not talk about looms, Captain Cat, isn't that right? I, I wonder how many people uh, hear that Incoming Missile and think of us now. It's maybe uh, <laughs> maybe not something we want to be associated with that feeling. But anyway, for better or worse, here we are. And, um, you know, it, of course, it's an evocative sort of title to the podcast, isn't it? Incoming Missile. Because it puts puts you in a little bit of PTSD. <laughs> Remembering all the times that you got your positioning wrong and just got smashed down with little that you could do about it, perhaps. It's not the best feeling. But, well, it's a hot topic. It has been uh, for almost a year now, especially, or you could say it has been since the beginning of MechWarrior Online, but especially since April when we saw those velocity changes, which kind of managed to annoy everyone (laughs) even if they were pro LRM because of the you know the rounds raft of changes because they they buffed them and they nerfed them and then you know sort of everybody was left feeling salty about it now of course we've got um some sweeping changes uh to the mechanics and not just the mechanics of looms but the supports and a lot of the sort of things that go into how they work just changing a few numbers but changing quintessential qualities of of how lock-on weapons uh, function. Right, so we will get into that meaty topic very, very shortly. But first, uh, just uh, a couple of news items to get through. Uh, Captain Cat, how have you found the Whammy 2Cs? 
Yeah, uh, indisputably um, some very strong variants in there. A little of what I would call incubus syndrome, where a lot of the variants are very samey. And in fact, I found myself just duplicating builds across multiple variants, despite the fact that they had slightly different hard points. Um, but there's there's some standout ones in, in there. The mall with the two gorse, two large pulse, two ER meads, uh, I've been really enjoying as a sort of a lightweight death strike. It's quite fun. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I um I, I like them, and uh you know to tackle it right on the head, uh, I like the small size. You know, I, I hope they keep that. I hope it doesn't get resized. I know it uh, maybe does throw a spanner into the works when you compare the size of other mechs, but uh, I like when there's something distinctive about a mech. I don't think it's going to be OP, uh, and yeah, that's why I think keeping something unique about it is pretty cool. So I hope they do keep the kind of stocky, muscular stature. Look, it does throw up the question around sizing and scaling for all the mechs, but let's, um, rather than nerf it back, maybe keep it where it is and, and look for improvements on the other stuff. But yeah, I like it. It's fun. But as you say, it's um, the variant's a little bit same-samey, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an all right addition. Yeah, I think you're, you're right to pick up on what you were saying about the size. Uh, if it wasn't small, then it really wouldn't have much going for it at all. It's 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 really what's keeping it to be a decent performer there. Uh, and if anything, it should just mean that a mech like you know the Phoenix Hawk should be scaled down a lot. Not that the Warhammer 2C necessarily needs to be scaled up a lot. Yeah, you can hand wave it as much as you like to talk about how various components of the mech may be heavier, you know, more dense than than others, or you know, it is quite broad shouldered, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be smaller than some of the mechs around uh, that are much, much smaller than it in tonnage. I'm with you. I wouldn't just scale it up to solve the problem. I'd definitely look at fixing fixing the other mechs first. Yeah, it's worth a look. Uh, for uh, Obviously, people will have a taste of the bludgeon at least, which I'm, I'm sure most mech warriors uh, had injected into their account uh, when it was released. So, you know, it's a decent uh, PPC boat, and I've seen that you've been doing pretty well with that one. So at least people get, most people will get a chance to give it a play, but uh, it's a... A mech pack that is probably worth a purchase, but uh, I suspect it'll be go like hotcakes uh, once it's released for Seabills uh, and, and uh, MC. Now, um, the other thing that we did want to touch on, of course, and hopefully most people will be aware, is that the uh, first competition from the MWO Comp team, the new player-run uh, competitive league, uh, has started. Uh, hopefully you guys have had a chance to catch some of the action uh, via the live Twitch streams or have listened to our weekly update, the first of which we released uh, just last week. But the Marshall Olympiad Reborn, uh, an 8v8 tournament, is on at the moment. Encourage everyone to uh, check out the links that we'll leave in the show notes, but uh, get into watching some comp action. Captain Cat, you're pretty excited, I know. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're involved, so that's uh, occupying a bunch of my thoughts uh, during the day of what drop decks to bring this week and how to, how, how to do my best against Omen. Dare we speak his name? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, I, I just do want to say to plug the, that show that uh, Cozen's put out there, guys. I mean, obviously I wasn't on that, but I have had a listen and it is um, a quality product. So do go out and give that a go if you're at all interested in competitive MechWarrior. Absolutely. And uh, a big uh, thank you, of course, to the MWO comp reps uh, and admins. Just call me Ash, uh, Krasnopesky and Live1991. Uh, and of course to all the shoutcasters as well. There is a lot of work that goes behind the scenes uh, to make any tournament run, as some of the listeners will know, 
Uh, so the best way that you can uh, repay the work that's gone in is to consume the product. So uh, yeah, be sure to catch those games and support your favorite team. Now, of course, um, one thing we also want to do is thank our fantastic patrons. Uh, so a big thank you to uh, John, Brios, Jacob Sawyer, and Shaky Snake, uh, our patrons. Uh, just a reminder to everyone that uh, if you do enjoy the content and would like to support us, we now have a $2 tier. So as for as little as $2 a month, you can support us to make the content that we produce uh, and to keep on going with it. Uh, now, once we hit 10 patrons, uh, then the money that we are getting there, we will be giving away a standard mech pack to our patrons once a month, every month. So uh, lots of reasons there to join. Uh, of course, there's different tiers and different levels of access uh, right up to coming on the podcast. So uh, we do want to make special mention to our patron, John, uh, who helped contribute material for today's episode. So thank you to John uh, for sharing your ideas uh, and contributing. And obviously the ideas um, that, that we will present today are in part due to his contribution. So yeah, head along to Patreon, Incoming Missile Podcast, and uh, we would appreciate any support you can provide to us. Just five more patrons and we can begin that mech pack giveaway. Right, now with the niceties out of the way, uh, we are going to get into the main topic. So hope you got your ECM and your AMS equipped because we are going to start talking looms. Hold some locks and bring the rain. Clag, 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 clag. Yep, there is a name for it. Uh, that feeling of having LRMs pouring down on your head whilst uh, bitching Betty tells you that missiles are incoming. Let's start with the salt, because uh, nothing gets the salt flowing like an LRM-80 supernova hanging 800 metres in the back from the front line and scoring a thousand damage while everyone else takes the damage in the shots from the enemy. Uh, PGI, of course, are looking to make changes to LRMs shortly, and they obviously perceive a problem. Uh, and as we covered in the intro, we're going to try and tackle that topic today. We understand, of course, that it is controversial. You will probably have an instinctive reaction, as you probably heard from Captain Cat in the intro, and everyone has that reaction to that incoming missile sound when Bitch and Betty talk. So we are about the conversation, so we are going to try and consider both sides of this topic. So don't stop the podcast now. Uh, be sure that um, you, you listen to all points of view, but we'll start by talking about the problem and maybe why looms are hated so much. Then we'll move into maybe why they're not a problem. And we'll finish up, of course, by bringing our recommendations together and having a little look uh, at what PGI are doing. So let's uh, set the scene because you can be an LRM apologist. You can be a hater. You can be anywhere in between. It is a spectrum uh, that goes from rage quit right through to laughing a thousand meters in the background LRMs. I've got a, I've got a confession to make. I've learned before. I've done it. And you will loom again? And I'll loom again. <laughs> Look, you know, I'm going to come right in and say I'm not a huge fan of lock-on weapons. I find them incredibly frustrating, actually, to use because, you know, I just hate it when I want to shoot and I can't shoot. And, you know, a lot of that, actually, if I'm honest with myself, is because I'm not very good at it because I haven't had a lot of practice. And so I probably don't set myself up in exactly the right way. I don't... Uh, 
cower at the back lines effectively. <laughs> I put myself in my normal positions and wonder why it doesn't work or I don't know. But it, it's, I got to admit that it is funny to learn people to death. Uh, and I've, I've laughed maniacally while doing it. And especially if they're my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, look, and, and you, Captain Cat, are case study number one that, that we will at least ask our listeners to, um, yeah, to keep in mind. In there, you're a highly skilled player and uh, you don't play looms often, but when you do play, you still kind of get drawn in by your natural play style. Can we start at least by talking about the fact that we are seeing LRMs being utilised in comp at that highest level? You know, we have even seen it uh, recently in MOR. It's topical right now because of that, isn't it? I mean, even more so than it was before. And if the, you know, the best of the best players are using it, there must be the best weapons, right? Well, there's more to this picture than meets the eye, perhaps. I mean, that could be the tagline of this podcast, perhaps. But there's rules to Martial Olympiad Reborn. And drop one is 625 tons across eight mechs. And no matter how you slice it, that's going to be a lot of slow-moving mechs that are very vulnerable to LRM fire, not being able to get behind cover, uh, cycle out very large, so they're likely to receive every LRM that gets thrown at them. You know, Canyon Network, which was on round one, is particularly uh, forgiving of LRMs. You know, you can cover your LRM mechs with some carefully placed turrets, and if, heaven forbid, someone gets caught in the low ground... Uh, and uh, UAV above them because they're probably done for. There's not a lot of cover around on Canyon Network where you get perfect cover from LRMs. A lot of the cliff sides are sloped. Yeah, I, th- I think there might be a little bit more to that than meets the eye. However, we do see ATMs get used in previous tournaments quite regularly, and I think we will uh, see LRMs where they're sitting get used again as a sort of a support weapon. And I don't think you'll ever see one of those top teams bringing a deck that's mostly LRM boat and then a Narc Raven or something like that, like you might see in faction play, that that's just never going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point, and I don't know. But what it does highlight, at least, that we are seeing looms in in different situations for different uses and different playstyles. And what we really want you to do, listener, whilst we have this discussion, is keep those things in mind, that even when you get like tier five people that are just starting out at the game and they find it as convenient because it is lock on right through to the best pilots and the best teams trying to find a place for LRMs. Well, like it or not, they're in the game. They're they're here. And if they're going to be in the game, then they should have a purpose, I guess you could say. Exactly right. One of the things that I love about the Battletech system is that we've got all these diverse weapon systems and support equipment and all this kind of stuff. And it's all like this giant game of paper, scissors, rock, lizard, Spock, where there's you know some weapons that are good for this and other weapons that are good for something else. You know, you have strengths and weaknesses, basically. Lerms are the quintessential support weapon, to put it uh, in a single line. And, we, and perhaps it would be best if we delved into what it is that makes Lerms Good, for a start. So what Captain Kidd is saying there basically is that uh, LRMs are hated. Uh, People consider them as good, but that's probably the first thing that we want to explore about why they might be hated. What advantages, technically and on paper, do LRMs have over other weapon systems? So Captain Kidd, this was something that you looked into. 
give us the brief on why you think LRMs are good. Yep. Why are LRMs OP? Gotcha. So <laughs> bear with me here. So, so for example, a clan LRM5 is one ton. Another weapon that is one ton is an NSVS small pulse laser or a clan small pulse laser. So LRM5s weigh a single ton for clan and two tons for Inosphere. They have about the same amount of DPS as a small pulse laser. Now, as we know, the small pulse laser fulfills the role in the game of being a DPS laser weapon you know, with low heat, high recycle rate, and you know low investment, that kind of thing. So why is that LRM, which you don't even have to get so close for, giving you that same DPS? Okay, well, let's let's keep that in our heads as we move forward. So then you can look at the other end of the spectrum, the LRM-20. Now we're talking here about a similar kind of DPS as the AC-10, which should be a fairly heavy hitting weapon. You're expending a lot of tonnage to bring a weapon like that. And yet the DPS per ton compared to an AC- AC-10 for an LRM-20 is much higher, more than double. And your, your heat is about the same, damage per heat. So a couple of notes on terms here. So we've got a DPS, most people know what that means, right? Damage per second. Then there's DPS per ton, which the LRM-20 beats the uh, AC-10, beats the pants off it. And then there's damage per heat. So for each heat that you expend, how much damage are you going to get in return? And and there, again, AC-10s, an Atmosphere AC-10 and a Clan LRM-20 are very, very similar. So basically what you're saying is that you are getting advantages per ton and per heat at the moment and is it right to say that you are going to carry maybe LRM20s differently from AC10s you know you're going to be able to boat LRM20s in a way that you wouldn't with AC10s oh yeah i mean how many mechs can bring four AC10s very very few and it's a loadout you practically never see just because of how heavy a loadout like that would be a Kodiaks you see occasionally with that loadout on the other hand mechs with four LRM-20s are fairly common sight in the battlefield or some variation thereof that's you know a similar amount of total, so it's sim- around 80. So on paper, LRMs look really, really strong, just looking at those numbers. And that's not even factoring in the range and in, in some of this other stuff. So they've got range advantage, they've got you know the, the damage and the DPS stuff as well. Exactly right. And moreover, they have very little risk required to bring these weapons. So with an AC-10 or a small pulse laser in particular, you're going to have to get put yourself really out on a limb to uh, get right in the face of the enemy and take advantage of that weapon's DPS. And, you know, if you're, if you're slower, then you're going to have to spend more time crossing in the open, potentially, to try and get that into that very, very short range that you need to be effective with those weapons. Whereas the LRMs, they don't even need to be able to see the person that they're shooting at. And as a game designer, I think no matter what decisions we're making on a micro level and a macro level, I have said before, and I'll always say that we need to be rewarding risk-taking because if we're not rewarding risk-taking, what kind of game are we creating? Like how how is the player experience going to be if no if, if nobody takes any risks? Ever. That's will lead to even more things like NASCARing and stuff like that. So pushing into very close range, putting yourself out there should be dangerous, but it should also be heavily rewarded for for taking that risk because that's the kind of game dynamic, exciting gameplay that we want people to have the option at least uh, to do on 
the other side of the coin, something like LRMs, where you're not taking any risks, should be the least rewarding uh, style of game gameplay. It should still be an option. It should still be there, and it should still be engaging and fun and um, all those kind of things. But it shouldn't be as powerful, to use that word, uh, as something like uh, AC20s and and um, small pulse lasers. They should be intrinsically more powerful because of the risk-taking that you also need to do to be effective with those weapons. But that's, that's a brilliant point. And you've, you've gone on to the kind of second thing that we want to highlight there is that you've said LRMs have some advantage on paper across a few metrics, um, damage per second and, and damage per ton and, and some of that heat stuff. But there's another metric in there that is often not thought of but is hugely important. And when we go on to discuss some of these other things, it will play one of the most key factors. And that, that metric is around the risk factor. How much do you need to risk to deliver your damage or to, you know, to, to get a kill or do those kind of things? And as you've just put there, and I know it's a big adage for you, if the risk profile is so far down for LRMs, yet you can deliver comparable damage or even, even if it's less damage than other weapon systems, because that risk metric, that risk profile and how much you need to expose yourself is so far out of whack with this indirect fire mechanism, you know, it's, it, you have to weight all the other metrics like damage, like heat, because there's virtually no risk profile. Would that be your way of thinking about it? Yeah, exactly right. Why would, why would people take risks if the, a heavily rewarded way of playing the game was to not take risks if you want to dominate your your enemy and get the best numbers on the end of round screen if if taking lrms is the best way to do that then that's that's what more and more people will do and tying back to that question that we asked at the outset about why lrms might be hated so much is that you may actually be incentivized to not take risk and you know as john our patron pointed out you know solo queue is probably the best representation of that is that because you're not necessarily working as a team as much as you might in faction play or in group queue, you're not actually incentivized to take risk. It's the opposite. If you can let other players take risk and you can sit back and quote unquote farm damage or you know fire LRMs from range and not get shot at. Pug shield. Yeah, pug shield as it's as it's called, then people hate that. They hate that there's no what a greatly reduced risk profile around LRMs. And again, that metric about risk profile to these type of weapon system just exacerbate those first things that you talked about, about some of the advantages of DPS damage per ton and the way that they can be boated maybe in ways that other pinpoint and other ballistics can't be. So that's two that we've covered that uh, maybe why alarms are hated is that the, the type of metric, uh, the type of damage they can do and where you can do that damage from. It, that does lead into the fact that I think LR, one of the reasons that LRMs are hated, and I just alluded to it, was that LRMs are kind of considered anti-team, if you know what I mean. So Mech Warrior, and I guess a lot of first-person shooters, have this idea of an honor system. And that's you know related to the risk profile stuff that we talked about there, that people want it to be a meritocracy. They want it to be that if you're better at the game, you go better. And... Anytime in a game that where teamwork is so important, anytime someone is being anti-team, people are they get frustrated with that. They hate that, and and LRMs become synonymous with that again because of that that risk profile stuff. You know what I mean? And people just don't want LRMs on their team. Do you think that's a fair statement? Yeah, there's. 
I've seen it plenty of times before that the last person alive is a loom boat sort of flailing away at the overwhelming enemy team. You know, there's eight of them left and one of him. And people jump on comms and berate this person for bringing LRMs because it's uh, they perceive it as, as being, like you're saying, anti-team or not the optimal strategy or dishonorable or cheesy, that it's the noob tube. There's a lot of diminutive terms there. Yeah, look, and I think part of the reason why people denigrate LRMs is strongly associated to this anti-team side of things, you know what I mean? That people see it as almost shameful in this kind of honour-based society that we have uh, in these in these types of games. But, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's more than just the lack of skill. I mean, if we're talking about uh, lock-on weapons and spread damage, it means that you can't contribute to what are some of the most important skills in the game. Uh, you can't focus fire as well. You can't target, and by that I mean you can't target components in the same way that you might if you are boating LRMs. It's probably unlikely that you can do anything else to contribute. Uh, and you know, we, of course, we're starting. We're talking about contributing armor. We're talking about capping. We're talking about things that might be really important to make a team work. It's really hard to flank with LRMs in the same way. You're at the mercy of of your team, really, as well. I mean, if all you've brought is LRMs, even if you've just got a few backup weapons, then really you've got to just situate yourself right in the middle of your team and hope that basically they'll deal with it. It's their problem if somebody, if a light pushes in and tries to have a go at you, you try and run to someone else, get it off, get it off. Exactly. And and people, particularly the community, I think they really uh, value skill and and they value contribution towards a team. And so with LRMs favoring a more selfish play style, uh, you know, I think that the, the reason that LRMs get hated is, is because it, it taps into those things. We want people to contribute to the team. We want people to be able to do those things that signal good teamwork, like focusing fire or taking off components or... Sharing armor. Yeah, sharing armor. Exactly, exactly. So... We've talked about being on the one end of LRMs if you are the player that is using them and the hate that maybe goes alongside it for that. I think something else that's worth pointing out as well is that there's probably no worse death to die than by LRMs. Do you think the PTSD that you get from LRMs leads to the hate as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be the number one thing. If, if I was to do a ranking. My number one thing why people hate LRMs is just how frustrating it is to just get rained on to death and you feel so helpless, especially you know if you can't see the person who's shooting you. Maybe you can't see anyone at all, so you can't even return fire. You know, At least if you're getting pelted by Dakar and it's shaking your cockpit around, you can try and get the reticle on them and return some fire and maybe take something off them in return or even take them down. But if it's a loom boat hiding behind a hill somewhere, ah. Oh, it just makes you feel totally helpless. Yeah, and that, that feeling of helplessness taps into this thing that we were saying about an honor society and, and Mech Warrior is 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 an experience. It it's a it's trench warfare, it's uh stompy robots face to face, uh it's a clash of the titans and you know, LRMs and dying to someone that you can't even see and they can't see you flies completely in the face of that you know that you want us you want to stand up fight right whenever you talk about it on a society i just hear like that clan guy who talks to you in faction play 
you have brought dishonor to the Talmud. Yeah, it's even in the the audio for the game. You know what I mean? That that uh, you know this 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 idea of uh, what the BattleTech universe is about, uh, and yeah, LRM weapons and and you know where they are at the moment. People just hate to die by them because of those things. And you know that that taps into what you were saying earlier. Is that what kind of game do we have if that's the type of experience people are having? And that's I think that taps into again one of these things that we we don't like uh, about LRMs and, and reasons that we hate them is that we don't want people to be killing us that way. We want to stand up, fight. We you know we want to be able to see them, and if they kill us, they know, we know that it's a skill for skill battle rather than that there. They can't even see you and they're just clicking a button. Yeah, I think LRMs have a place in the game as a support weapon. And if they ever were moved into the position like we hear about a lot these days, that they were meta where it's follow or die kind of thing, like laser vomit has been or um, gorse peep has been or name you name it has been. What kind of game would we have? How would that look if 75% of the team in every game was bringing LRMs and you just get a lock and chuck as many as you, as you can at an enemy player? That I think that would be the worst possible result for this game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't think that that can be ignored with the hate that LRMs get is that if they were meta and if, if more than a certain percentage of players every game were running them, you get the worst possible version of the game. I, I think that that's fair to say. I mean, even even as perhaps an LRM apologist, uh, like we're going to go into later on, there's some reasons why LRMs perhaps should be in the game. Even then, it, sh- it should never be a primary weapon. It should never be the most common weapon on the battlefield. That I'd, You don't need much of an imagination to see that that just would be a really unfun way to play the game. But in saying that, we're still talking about the positive things of LRMs. It's also, it's the richest weapon system in MechWarrior Online. I mean, it's got multiple buffing. It's got NARC and it's got TAG and it's got multiple nerfs. It's got ECM and AMS. Like what other weapon system in the game has all these sort of ancillary parts that make it better or worse or, you know, the the, the usefulness of a UAV to a limb pilot. I mean, you know, it's great for someone with DACA to be able to see where someone is, but, you know, it's, it's the difference between being able to shoot or not if you've got lock-ons it's, there's it's it really is a very very rich part of the battletech weapon sphere for sure and that that is certainly something that we'll we'll get into in this next section i mean one thing to keep in mind of course as well is that part of the hate i think that you see uh, is fear it is fear that the game will go in that pathway and it will detract from everyone's fun i think that's maybe uh, as as john our patron pointed out that's maybe why some maps fall into the same sphere of hate they almost get hated by association. Uh, you know, Polar Highlands is a meme, right? Because people are worried about LRM. So, you know, such is that fear of going down that pathway of the game becoming nothing but LRM boats exchanging fire becomes hate, becomes hate for the, the LRMs as a weapon system uh, and just kind of feeds into all those other things that we've discussed. I think we've outlined, you know, some of the key reasons why LRMs are considered the way they are. I mean, let's be honest, there are other missile systems, there are other lock-on systems that, whilst you do cop a bit of grief, I guess, regarding that, uh, things like ATMs and streaks don't get anywhere near as much um, bad press uh, as LRMs. And I think it's probably fair to say that a large portion of the community fall into the 
Ellery Mahida spectrum, uh, at least the vocal majority, fall into Ellery Mahida's side. So let's delve into the more dangerous topic here and the more dangerous conversation, Kat, as to... The end of our careers as podcasters. <laughs> yeah, the, the last <laughs> yeah, the last podcast people listen to, yeah. <laughs> Why LRMs maybe aren't that big a problem? Why they don't deserve the level of hate? Or why the level of hate maybe is uh, a little bit overblown? They're, maybe they aren't as big a problem uh, as people make them out to be. You ready for this? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Incoming missile. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, well, I'll kick us off. So the main thing about LRMs is that they there is no other weapon system in the game that are so easily counted. Positioning, hardcover, minimum range, ECM, AMS, radar deprivation. You can counter LRMs and dying to LRMs in so many different ways. There are mech quirks. There are equipment systems that are set up directly as a counter to LRMs. Even if you are on Polar Highlands, you can still have ECM or AMS or... Hide behind a friendly king crab. Exactly. Find the, find the, <laughs> um, the, the point being that you are a very high-skilled player cat and I have no doubt that you don't die a lot to LRMs and that you counter them through your positioning and through the use of hardcover. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 there's a little bit of confirmation bias going on here, right? Where you notice those times when you get smashed but to death by LRMs, don't you? It's it's memorable. It's a memorable event. It is super frustrating for me and you, and and you don't notice how often it doesn't happen. By the same token, you know, it, if it's happening more than one in ten games, maybe you need to look more at the kind of way that you're playing and uh, the choices that you're making in terms of the mix that you're bringing and the positions you're taking and uh, and that sort of thing because realistically I think that if, if you really unemotionally looked back at the, the ways that you have died in your past thousand games LRMs should be fairly low on that list. You're m- much more likely to die or I okay I'm talking about myself here I'm much more likely to die to being shot in the face by lasers and and Dakar and and things like that. Yeah, is is that is that your kind of experience as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a long way down the skill tree from you, but even I don't die to LRMs that often. Uh, you know, even I can. But use, it is memorable uh, positioning and head cover. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that negativity bias, that confirmation bias uh, that you talked about, I think, particularly when it's coupled with those things that we talked about about why they're hated um, and potentially some genuine concern or some concern that's valid and some uh, fear that's valid that if the playstyle becomes too prevalent it will ruin the game but if everyone took AMS hard cover is always going to be the biggest defense against LRMs moving from cover to cover not wandering around in the open uh, and putting yourself in a position where you're really vulnerable to it I mean let's not forget that out of all the weapon systems in the game LRMs are the slowest around 100 90 meters per second and that's uh, even with a velocity buff coming in of a of like 10 percent or something like that they're still going to be slow as hell and it's still the only weapon that you can have launched at you take note of that fact and move into cover 
even in a relatively slow-moving mech and avoid some or all of that damage. Exactly. And you're good at the game and those things come naturally to you. And the higher you go, the, the more people have those skills. So, you know, I think it is fair to say that, particularly compared to other weapon systems, there's no other weapon system that is as easily counted as LRMs. For sure. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, how are you going to counter, how are you going to counter Decker? I mean, if somebody's shooting at you with Decker, you'd just not be there, I guess. <laughs> you can't put anything on your mech to make it not effective anymore. I do know that this is hard for you, Kat, like a lot of players out there, because even considering an apologist position for LRMs can be really, really tricky. So <laughs> it's all right, man. I'm going to talk you through this and, you know, if people are going to hate on this episode, they're going to hate on me because I'm being more of an LRM apologist. So uh, I hope, listeners, that you are sensing the nervousness that Cat has at the moment and uh, the nervousness that people have around uh, discussing this topic because, again, this is the level of unease that people feel around the LRM topic. So, yeah, <laughs> get, the, people get out the, the, the pitchforks and burning <laughs> brands. Absolutely. LRMs being able to be counted leads really into my next point, and that is that... LRM mechs are very situational, far more situational than other weapon systems. And that's the point that I think is most important there. Relatively speaking, they are more situational than even short range weapons, micro lasers and all of that kind of thing. So, you know, whilst a lot of people have probably been clagged or caught out in the open uh, or have seen a and this is going to be controversial, but have seen someone farm a thousand damage with LRMs, I think that's a bit of confirmation bias. I think by and large you will find that it's very situational and more situational than any other weapon system when LRMs are successful. LRMs rely on an information warfare aspect of the game far, far more. You talked about UAVs, you talked about other people spotting um, you know, people ask others to hold locks. It is very situational. If there's no one there to hold locks, you can't fire your LRMs at you at the enemy. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about Polar Highlands. Well, what about if you're in a big fat limbo and you get Solaris City, a GG, pretty much? You might you might find some opportunities to get some good shots in. But the the terrain on that map is going to be the exact opposite. It's going to be uh, really, really difficult for you to be effective on that map with all those tall buildings, and uh, you, people can easily break line of sight. Just duck around the corner, and your missiles just all fuck into the wall. You look at those damage numbers that you talked about: a thousand damage. Well, a thousand damage shooting someone in the center torso means a lot more than a thousand damage spread to every component they have. I, I always say, if someone's skiting about how much damage they got in LRM boats, like bragging about it, you got to halve that because even with a fairly mediocre aim, you're going to do better uh, focusing uh, components than you would with that than LRMs do with lock-on. It's yeah, a really ineffective way to do a thousand damage. Absolutely, that's a brilliant point. Not only are they situational as to when you will go well, they're situational in the damage that they will do or the effect of that damage. And we we might see a a player of a very very good player like just call me Ash absolutely carving up in an LRM boat and can consistently hand out that 1,000 damage. But my counter to that would be is if you put uh, him in, if you put Just Call Me Ash in his Hellbringer or, or these other mechs, he's going to be doing that damage more. He's going to be even more consistent with handing out that damage, particularly when we're talking across situations. 
uh, on Polar on all of those different maps. Um, you know, as John, our patron, points out, even the potato tornado, even this tendency for us to NASCAR leads into LRM boats getting run over. <laughs> you know, so it's you know you have to have the situation where your team doesn't NASCAR so that you can sit in the back and not get isolated and not get run down by some brave light pilot. So for the hate that they get, I think again. LRMs are very, very situational, or at least more situational than other weapon systems. For every time that you get caught out and feel helpless against the lerms raining down on you, imagine all the times that those lerm pilots get caught out by, you know, a plucky wolfhound uh, running up to within point blank range of them, and how helpless they're going to feel in that situation. I mean, you can take some solace in that. And unless we did see the numbers, I mean, I guess PGI get these numbers, but uh, unless we did see the numbers, we don't necessarily know how often that happens or what the average match score or average damage output is for people that run LRM boats. That would be very interesting, I think, and that's at least something we'll be able to see from the stats in comp for the Marshall Olympiad Reborn um, because we're tracking those stats. Uh, We will see, although we may not see a lot of LRMs, we might be able to track the average damage there and then see that against pilot skill but uh, yeah very very situational so that leads in to the next one and I guess really want to get your feedback on this one because I don't believe that LRMs are meta yeah and I know that's going to be fake news yeah yeah (laughs) and for me that's a reason why I don't think they should get um, as much hate as they do I think that there are play styles and there are weapon systems that are far more meta than LRMs. Now I might be proven wrong, but if I went for example to Denier Walker's tier lists, I don't find too many builds that are LRM boats. If I go into Solaris, I don't see too many LRM mechs um, that are played at the top. You know, they they can't do in 1v1. So, you know, and they might be not meta yet because of these things we talked about, that they're easily countered and they're not situational. If we're looking at them on paper, they may look meta, but I think in a real-world environment, across the different game modes, across the different maps, uh, and uh, across the different situations, I don't think that you could say that LRMs are meta. I mean, the, the, if you look at Grim Mechs, which is perhaps a little bit more current, and um, Daniel Walker uh, contributed to, the, there is a couple of ATM boats in there, I think there's a couple of LRM boats somewhere down in the lower lower mid levels of the list. They're going to be good when supported by circumstance. But and, and here's the point: is that if people are saying that LRMs are meta now, and remember our sort of in-house definition of what meta means is 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 a playstyle that you have to adopt, and that everyone uh, or, or most people adopt it becomes the prevalent playstyle. If you say that that is the case, then you're just flat out wrong. If you're saying that because you're worried that that might happen and that is not something that you want to see, well, that's something I can back you on. I don't, I don't want to see LRMs become the meta. I don't think that will give us, like we've discussed, a, a great game to play. And that is something that we should be cautious and nervous about. But it's not, it's not there now. Uh, and if you continue to watch these comp games, you'll only ever see... A few, a scattering of them would be my prediction. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's the, it's, it's the key point that I want to drive home around whether they're meta or not, is that from a balanced perspective, I to make decisions to reduce their effectiveness because they are the dominant playstyle that you have to adopt, 
or you lose, I just think is, is flat out false. And I think we do get a little bit caught up in uh, shifting the argument to other things about them. And for exactly what you said, people are more worried about what that it might become the most prevalent playstyle, not that it is at the moment. So that's why I think that they're more a perceived problem than they are an actual problem, uh, because they're, they're not the meta style. And I mean, as a counterpoint to those numbers that I gave up the front, there's there's a lot of reasons why those numbers are sort of beguiling or, or um, misleading about the DPS and all those kind of stuff. For example, that they have a minimum range or damage fall off, depending on clan and race. Very, very few weapons have that. They've got multiple direct counters. You can't aim, so they're beholden to Aaron Jesus. You know, you're at his mercy, whether... You know, the number of times, even I, who have not used LRMs very often, have had targets that I was sure one shot and just wouldn't die because the LRMs didn't go where I needed them to go. We've talked about that you need a target lock. They're ammo dependent, unlike lasers and things like that. They're heat dependent, unlike some DACA stuff. They're really slow projectile. We spoke about that. Uh, They've got a really, really uncommonly long time to the target, not only because of how slow they go, but because they take a massive arc across the sky. They've got a maximum range. Uh, So at least if you fire an AC-10 and it goes out of range, you're still going to do some damage up to, you know, double that range. Whereas LRMs literally just explode when they reach their maximum range. You get nothing. There's a lot of situations where you just literally cannot do anything. And then we've talked about the maps like Solaris City or River City where people can just break line of sight and easily counter you by just moving 10 metres away. Yeah, there's, there's a number of reasons why those numbers don't uh, aren't all the information that you need to decide whether they are overpowered or not. Yeah, and that's perfect context. And what we need to make sure we don't do is fall into the trap of seeing good players use them well and think that that reflects the weapon system and not simply the skill of that player. So, uh, you know, it, we would need a, a greater sample size. We'd need to see them across situations where pilot skill was uh, controlled for. Uh, we saw the averages across the maps and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the, I, I think it is going too far to say that they are meta or close to meta. Uh, and I think maybe they cop hate because people worry that they will become meta in those things that are represented. But I think. For our discussion that we're having here, it's important to separate those things out. So I know people are raging at me right now, but just <laughs> just try and, and, and separate. I still like it. <laughs> I still like it. Separate those things out. You know that uh, yeah, that there can be. There's an important context to the technical power that we see on paper uh, for LRMs. They are very contextual, very situational, uh, and you know maybe not the most powerful weapon system in the game and we don't want to see them become that right we have given you a reason to hate lrms if you don't already and we have apologized for them a little bit as well and maybe <laughs> talked about some reasons why they aren't necessarily as big a problem as they are sometimes painted now we're going to move into maybe what we think should happen moving forward and these are our thoughts and, and we're going to view uh, give our thoughts on what uh, pjo do because hey that's what we're here to do that's what the podcast is about Probably the most important question and what we really want to get to with this episode is what to do about LRMs. And Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do we need to do anything to LRMs? Yeah, that is a very, very good question. And yes, I, I think the answer to that is unequivocally yes. And the point that I'll make off the top 
because we'll look a little bit at what uh, PGI are doing and Captain Cat will give us uh, a little bit of a summary there because he understands this stuff so well. But the main point that I want to make is that that hate exists and it is real. Now, whether it's the vocal minority, whether most players think that way or most players don't, I think it's fair to say that the vocal majority think that there's something that needs to be changed. So the perception is a problem. So if nothing more was done to LRMs other than to work at changing the perception, I think that that would be a good thing. And I think that that gives a positive to the question about whether we need to do something or not. Now, I think that that needs to be achieved maybe with some mechanical changes, uh, but we can we can go into that. But before we talk maybe about what we think should be done, can you give the listeners, Captain Cat, for anyone that hasn't read the patch notes or didn't engage in the PTS, can you give a brief summary about what PGI are doing about LRMs and what changes we'll see uh, later this month? It's a multi-pronged attack. There, there is a number of mechanics changes being made, and it's we, we've all heard about the fact that the velocity is going up 10% or something like that. That's that's it for the buffs, really. When it comes to the nerfs, there's the major changes to do with having line of sight, meaning, meaning whether you can see the target that you're firing at or not. And if you can't, that's going to affect your spread massively. It's going to affect your firing arc, which doesn't just mean the ability to being able to be able to shoot out of cover, but much more importantly, it means how long it's going to take your missiles to reach the target, how long they have of bitch and betty bitching in the air and being able to move from where they are behind that corner, just, just over there and not get hit by any of your missiles. And it's going to affect the amount of time it takes to get the lock on you as well. That's a good summary, and I guess probably what we can say, Captain Cat, is that PGI have taken a stab at influencing the playstyle around LRMs. Do you think that that's probably the major takeaway from the changes that you've seen? Yeah, that's my read, is that they're trying to incentivize people. I mean, it should be fairly obvious to even a cursory view of these changes. They're trying to incentivize people to have line of sight. That's their goal. Why are they doing that? Because that means risk-taking that we've spoken about. And it means the ability of the enemy player to shoot back at you. Well, that's what the risk is, right? <laughs> you expose yourself not just to that person, but potentially to others as well. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're increasing the risk profile or incentivizing using the weapon in a way that increases your risk profile. And truth be told, I think that's a good thing that PGI are doing, that they are looking at addressing the playstyle, because I think that that is the single most important thing or the single most important change that they could influence. I don't know about you, though. I just don't know if this is going to go far enough to do that. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really comes down to whether the incentives are strong enough. I mean, we can look at ATMs, which for some reason, a little bit of double think going on there, seem a lot more um, broadly accepted within the community as a sort of an honourable weapon. Within ATMs, they have a, a built-in uh, risk-taking incentive where if, if you're really far away, uh, 1,200 metres away, you're going to get one damage per missile. If you're 180 metres away, you're going to get three damage per missile. So that's enough for a lot of people to want to play right up the front to try and get that big reward of three damage per missile and triple threat. That in, in turn means that they're playing riskily. They're 
playing honorably, they're sharing armor, all those things that we've spoken about. And now with these other mechanics that I've just elaborated on, I think that there's a risk that people will just see that as a bonus, that they'll continue to play LRMs the way that they've always done. And then when there is a circumstance where they have line of sight, well, woohoo, bonus, I, I get all that extra stuff. I get you know, quick lock-ons and a flat firing arc and, and all that kind of stuff. It really, really just is going to have to watch that play out to know a human element of these um, calculations is always really, really hard to crystal ball gaze and work out how people are going to treat that. But I potentially, I just don't think the incentives are quite big enough. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And as you've rightly pointed out, we get somewhat of a counterfactual with ATMs. We can see that it's almost exclusively a close range weapon because you do want to get at least within kind of 400 meters so you've got that two damage per missile but yeah i think pgi's changes and even the changes that we've seen leading up until now to narc and those other things have been kind of weakly aimed at the play style but i just don't think they're going to go far enough to change that and in particular you're not going to be able to see play style changes via pts you know people are going in there for a set purpose uh, you're not going to be able to pull information from PDS to tell you whether it's going to influence the human side of it. Uh, I think what we see here is maybe the start of change for PGI. You've said before, Captain Cat, that PGI do favour this kind of small iterative change model uh, around balance. Uh, but I think they're targeting the right thing in playstyle and risk profile. But I, I just these this these changes I don't think will do more than yeah, encourage people that use LRMs to see it as a bonus uh, with the line of sight. And we should also mention that that, that it comes with changes to things like NARCs and um, AMS and things like that, how how well they can shoot down missiles. And, and then also I, I've picked that there's a number of ECM mechs that have entered the game in recent months and in in the, over the past year. Uh, it seems like every mech pack that comes out almost has an ECM variant. And then we've got the quad AMS 95 ton Corsair entering the game next and that's that's going to be a massive difference to the effectiveness of LRMs having a few of those around just two two of those basically nullify Lumboat firing at you completely completely can't hit you at all so I think the change we see in March I don't think it'll be a big impact I think that it's you know starting to get towards the right areas but it is hopefully the start of changes uh whether that's small and iterative uh, hopefully we get that kind of communication, but uh, I don't think we'll see major changes. So so let's go in, I guess, uh, Captain, to some of our thoughts on this discussion and whether we don't necessarily need to say where we are in the scale around whether we hate LRMs or whether we are apologists. I think we are probably both in the middle. And that's probably the first point that I think I'd make is that I think LRMs do play a necessary role in the game. You talked about support. Uh, we talked about them being situational. I think that there is a definite role for them in the game, and I don't think they should be nerfed into obscurity. But by the same token, we don't want to see nine LRM mechs each match. If you just remove them from the game, I think it would leave a huge hole in the game. There's, like we've talked about, multiple pieces of equipment and mechanics and ideas in this game that support LRMs being there. And having a few LRM boats in the game to make people play cautiously, not just run around in the open or, or potentially, you know, have to commit to a proper push on polar highlands, I think is a good thing. I, I, w I wouldn't want to see them just completely removed. And then 
on the other hand, you know, having now and then a game on Solaris City where LRMs aren't such a big deal was fine. Uh, and uh, it's almost like a, a game mode. No LRM game mode. I, I, I do think that PGI are on the right track with the changes that they're making. Whether you want to call them nerfs or buffs or just changes that, you know, we've talked about, I've talked about how I like to see risk-taking incentivized. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And long may it continue. Maybe it doesn't go far enough would be my feedback there. And I think that's the most important point that we can make is this, you've talked about it so often about the risk profile and that the game in general should be one where risk is rewarded and risk is incentivized. If you need to get within 80 meters or 100 meters to do your damage, you should be justly rewarded for crossing that difference. If you need to expose your mech to fire your weapons, you should be justly rewarded for that. And by the same token, if you are firing where you cannot even see the, the other mech and someone else is getting you that lock, that should also be disincentivized or the reward for that should be greatly reduced. Yeah. And, and by the same token, I mean, it's a great launching off point to say that, you know, one of the best ways we have of reducing the effectiveness of looms or controlling the effectiveness of looms is if we made those brawling strategies more rewarding. So people getting up in uh, your face is just about the worst thing that can happen to you as a loom boat. And at the moment, you'll have a really hard go of it and quick play to try and run something like SRMs or Micropulse or things like that. We have to get really, really close. You might have fun and you might enjoy it and you might have good games, but overall, it's not going to be the most effective play style for every game that you play. If you want to, if you want to have you know consistent gameplay, that's not what you should pick right now. And, you know, John, our patron, made this um, same point. And look, we can even go back to more than a year ago to Mick the Dane's unfunning videos. And he makes the same point around making all playstyles viable uh, and Brawl maybe being the, the quintessential example of a playstyle that seems to have just been left alone and has gradually reduced in its effectiveness, even though it requires the most amount of risk and should be rewarded and encouraged. You mentioned it, I think, that word control, and, and that would be what I think would be our recommendation, is, is the learn playstyle is one that needs to be closely controlled, and that's what PGI should be putting the efforts into. Uh, and if there were to be changes to some of those absolute values around DPS or velocity or any of those, they should be with that in mind. Are we incentivizing the right playstyle? Are we incentivizing people to get close to use their LRMs? Uh, to not hang in the back, uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more in regards to you know looking at those other playstyles and, and incentivizing those as well. And brawl doesn't only encompass the weapons; it's the mechs themselves. If it, if it's a if it's a mech that's bespoke um, designed to to bring brawl, like um, an Atlas S or something like that, then it should have huge mobility uh, increases above and beyond what we've seen so far. Those have been really nice, but they're not enough to counter the, the time it takes for an atlas to cover the open ground and potentially just get limbed to death trying to bring those SRMs to bear. This is a point that you made the other night, was that the benefit of the engine desync is that you could actually tweak agility upwards for mechs like the atlas, not have them go any faster, but give them the agility to twist and turn at a rate that just made them fantastic brawling mechs, fantastic tip of the spear mechs. And that's the type of thing that I, that I think should be incentivized. 
Yeah. I mean, if that's all it can do, then it should be good at it. Simple as that. I guess the general points there remain the same because love them or hate them, I do think that it is the play style that is the biggest issue around LRMs. And if there is going to be changes to buff, if they're going to be buffed or they're going to be nerfed, I think it needs to be in line with, with you know, ensuring that the, the play style is a thing that's addressed uh, rather than the, the straight mechanical changes to values. Yeah, and I think, that, you know, the thing that the community has really grabbed onto has been these velocity changes, isn't it? And how that will play out 10% is hard to say from my armchair. I do know, though, that with the change made back in April, it was already the case that um, you get hit by limbs uh, from close range before Bitch and Betty even has a chance to actually bitch at you. And that's only going to, uh, th- this change is only going to exacerbate that. And that isn't great. That's that's not a particularly fun change and perhaps not the way that I would pick to, to buff LRMs if that's what's required. I'd love it if they took a little bit more risk. It plays right into the whole idea, doesn't it? I'd love it if PGI took a little bit more risk here and just made those um, risk-taking incentives even further incentivized so that uh, just to really ensure that there's there's really good reasons for players to um, get those line of sight bonuses. We'll see. We'll see if they're if they're enough now. But uh, I I think that down the track we could perhaps look at making those even more incentivized. Absolutely, and that's probably a good way to uh, finish us off. So. I do hope that uh, you have enjoyed our uh, delve into this controversial topic. Obviously, if you do have your own thoughts, please spam us with comments in the uh, comment section below. Uh, Tweet at us uh, or uh, send us emails. We'd be very, very keen to hear whether you agree with our take on it today. You know, we've tried to give you both sides uh, of the argument, but uh, as always, we're very keen to hear what you think. Uh, I think it's a topic that we will revisit, Kat, don't you think? Yeah, I love it that you said that we're really keen to hear if you agree. We're not keen to hear if you disagree. Just don't even bother. Like, yeah, no. no, actually, that, that I know what you meant, and that we want to join in the debate here. If you've got some uh, things that you think we've missed or, or haven't considered, then do feel free to um, to comment that and uh, let us know, and we'll let you know what we think. Exactly, that's what we're here to do. We're here to have a conversation about it, and I don't think you can have a conversation unless you do consider both sides of it. I'm always open to being proven wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't happen often for me, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there might be someone out there that uh, that can do it. Now, as um, Captain Cat has said, please do tell us your thoughts or whether you agree or disagree. A special thank you to John, our patron, for giving us his thoughts and allowing us to incorporate that um, into the discussion today. He had some um, some really good thoughts on LRMs on both sides uh, of the argument. Definitely fed directly into what we talked about today. And some of the stuff we didn't say was from him. It was at least um, in response to something that he'd said there as well. Right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We uh, look forward to seeing you out there. And just remember, whenever you hear that incoming missile, think of us. Wait. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. We can go all night, guys. We want to hear from you. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Oh, seven Mac Warriors. Point three, reporting task complete. If you did enjoy this content, then please consider supporting us. You can do this in a multitude of ways, including subscribing to our podcast on your favourite podcast platform and leaving reviews, as well as subscribing to us on YouTube and liking our videos. 
You can also support us by sending us feedback either through comments, tweets, or directly through email. Tweet and follow us on Twitter at IncomingP or email us directly at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us directly by becoming a patron or sponsor. You can find us on Patreon at Incoming Missile Podcast and choose one of three tiers of support. Patrons not only get mentioned on the podcast and get access to exclusive content, but can even join us as a guest host on the podcast. You can also opt to sponsor an episode through one-off donations, all of which will be used as giveaways for our listeners. So if you had a product, service, or content that you'd like us to mention, contact us to discuss sponsoring an episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time. Shutdown sequence initiated.